0: podcast
1: hey guys welcome to episode three this is the third episode in our series about people who are of different ethnicities and come from different cultures than i do and probably the majority of you i'm really excited about this one i got to interview my friends keegan and sierra who are both Native American and are just really passionate about seeing Native American culture revitalized and get healthy. And man, this conversation was just challenging for me to want to see those things come true as well. Not only for Native American people, but for all communities, for the community where I work and live and They both talk about their time growing up on the reservation and Sierra talks about this really cool type of school she is doing on the reservation right now as a teacher. Now, Keegan and Sierra are very open and honest in this conversation and show a lot of emotion. If you are someone who is typically critical of Native Americans or of what you have seen from the reservation, I would just challenge you just sit back and listen and hear the pain in their voice and hear the love that they have for their people before you think about how to respond okay with that here is our conversation I have Sierra Concha and Keegan her many Horses here. Thanks for joining me, you guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. So Keegan, you are what would you what would you say? Half Native American? Yeah, I'm half and half. Half. And what's your mom's ethnicity?
2: Um white, but like if we want to get specific, she's like German and Norwegian. Okay.
1: And Sierra, you are you just told me or I just heard you say this yesterday, it's half
0: um, oh, um I'm, okay it's a little more complicated than that okay, <laughs> so, good. Um, I'm I'm half Taos Pueblo um and like I don't know a little bit Ojibwe and a little bit Lakota and like a little bit of French
1: but you um you guys definitely both identify really heavily with the Native American culture yeah. I think it's fair to yes. say right
0: mm-hmm. yes Lakota awesome. specifically yeah
1: cool why don't you guys just go ahead and Uh, Talk a little bit about what it's like growing up on the reservation, where you grew up, and kind of goods and bads, and what you experienced there.
2: I grew up on the Wind River Indian Reservation in Eethatee, Wyoming, and kind of like the surrounding area around there. And I was born and raised there, went to high school there. That was my whole life until I came out to spearfish for college. And... For me, it was it was good because I was I was like I said I was born and raised in it and I was viewing it from the viewpoint of in looking out, and so I didn't see much problems with it because it was just home for me and it was just a tight knit community. Everybody knew everybody. Everybody helped out everybody. There were social gatherings that everybody would go to, and it was just it was it didn't really have problems with me other than just a bad area location wise where. In the middle of Wyoming, yeah. nothing's green for a long time. <laughs> there was there was um, some poverty around, but I just figured that was around. You know, every, everybody else had that issue, you mm. know, and around the country and stuff. And I recognized it wasn't a big city, but I remembered I was in Wyoming, so I wasn't expecting to be a, to have a big city and wasn't mad that I wasn't in one. Growing up in it, I, I was it was home and it was a great place for me and when i came out to spearfish south dakota and i left college i kind of started seeing you know what was some people would say it was bad things about it that i recognized but i wouldn't give it the bad label that reservations are terrible places you know and i started recognizing that poverty was a lot more and a lot
1: more prevalent or a lot
2: more prevalent in okay. on the reservation that i grew up in than anywhere else that i was that i stayed a lengthy amount of time it was just kind of shocking but at the same time i kind of knew it was there and i just didn't want to address it because that was my home you know mm. that was my viewpoint is just that this is my home and there's great things about it and everywhere everywhere you go there's always going to be a bad thing mm. we're uh associated with it and i just figured that our bad things that we had with it was just something that everyone else had and you uh you danced a lot of powwows right yeah i danced up powwows growing up ever since i could walk and so i Went from I grew up on my reservation, but I always go out to other reservations and other states and dance there, and it was pretty much the same. So, uh, are you retired now, or are you gonna keep no. doing that? No, uh, taking a just taking a small break. How about you, Sierra?
0: Um, well, I actually I grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico until I was thirteen. Oh, Cool. Yeah. So, um, I had, like, I, I I grew up in the city life, and then. Um, Whenever we moved to Pine Ridge, Is
1: Albuquerque, like, just a normal big city? Were you... Was there other natives there, or...
0: Yeah, it's a pretty big city, um, and it is full of brown people, Mm -hmm. like... Oh, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of Hispanics, Mexicans, um, Pueblo natives, Navajos, like, it's very diverse. I actually... I went to a pretty elite private school, um, in middle school, and... I was like I I was the only native and I was like one of like three brown kids. Mm. And I hated it. Um, I mean the education was top notch, but I hated being the only brown person mm. and or only native person. So my mom moved us to Pine Ridge, which is a total one eighty from an elite white private school of yeah. city life. Uh, like I really, really liked being around all natives. Like mm. I went from an all-white, native, all-white private school to an all-native private school on the reservation at Red Cloud, and it was kids that understood my culture and just what it means to be native. Like, I didn't have to explain myself to anybody. Um, everyone just kind of got each other, which I think is what you're referring to, of it being like a close-knit type of community. And plus, like, as soon as you say your name, and everyone's like, well, who's your mom? Who's your who's your grandma? Who's your grandpa? <laughs> like, just so, like, people can, like, connect that. It's like
1: classic small town, yeah. Yeah,
0: exactly. Mm-hmm. So, because, like, everyone somehow knows everyone, in, or, like, one person in your family. Like, that's how it always goes. I really like that. And it was also awesome to just be around um, the ceremonies because it was just normal to, like, go to um, different ceremonies that we have on the reservation. And I got to be a part of that. I learned a lot about myself and my culture and yeah that that aspect of it was incredible but there are some crazy negative parts to it and I think I got to see a little bit more of it from like Keegan's perspective because I went from somewhere to it yeah and like drugs and alcohol was very very prevalent especially in my family like my family like all my aunts and uncles are very um heavily addicted to certain drugs like meth (laughs) especially and that became, like, that came to, like, the forefront of my family, like, just because we were closer to them physically. So I learned a lot about the hardships of that. And poverty was very, like, I like that's the first thing I noticed <laughs> whenever I came to Pine Ridge was um, how run down a lot of the places were. Um, but I eventually, like, just became desensitized to it. Like, I don't notice it now. It's home and i think like whenever i go there it's beautiful to me like it's very open and scenic and i just feel comfortable being there i don't see really the the broken down houses anymore like that's not even an issue to me
1: yeah that reminds me so my dad's a farmer he and i remember one time as a kid he was telling me like you know a lot of people get really bored driving through south dakota because it's so flat and (laughs) you know but he's like when i I think it's beautiful, you know, and I Mm -hmm. just think it's the whole mind switch because for him, it's home, and to see all these crops and to see everything growing to him, it's just, it's amazing. Even Mm -hmm. to somebody else, it's like, this is terrible. (laughs) Yeah. So that's kind of where you're at now is like, yes, the reservation has these problems, but it's home, and let's work on them.
0: Yeah, definitely. As a teenager, there was, um, it was a lot more negative and just for my like mindset and the people i hang around and i lost a friend to suicide my freshman year like within months of moving there mm-hmm. and that really like darkened my perspective for a while but as i got older went to college and came back i saw like so many young people like us want our community to be better and there's a lot more of us that are going to college graduating and coming back like, that's just been happening from the past few years. Hmm. And I think it's, like, kind of a totally different feel whenever I go to Pine Ridge. I mean, I don't
2: know. Even though I grew up in Wyoming, we'd always come to that powwow that I mentioned earlier in Pine Ridge. and yeah. We had family in Pine Ridge. Which is where my dad's originally from. And so we'd go there every once in a while and we'd see it. And I remember going there, knowing it was the same reservation. And not, not the same reservation, but knowing it was a reservation like the one that I grew up in. I still kind of get the sense that it was like a kind of a sad place and i don't know if that was my observation of it or if my if it was my dad you know saying he grew up here and that it was really bad when he grew up and that's why sure. he moved out and stuff like that but i just kind of got the sad like the sad sense of it but uh as i came to spear spearfish for college and i was as i uh, became friends with a lot of people who were from pine ridge and like grew up there that were in college also and i kind of started you know seeing better sides of it and not that I viewed it as just a terrible place before, but it just kind of had that sad feel, like I mentioned. And um, I kind of have the feeling that it has, like, hope now. Mm. Like, there's, like, a building sense of hope. Very cool. and, and with, like, all the young people and even the older people who came back and are trying to help the young people get up on their feet and stuff like that, there's a really big sense of hope that I'm, like, catching on, and it, it's really awesome to see. And I think
1: in places like that, it's so good to look at that positive and just build on that. Mm -hmm. so that's so cool and we were kind of talking about this before we started recording but um we're you guys are saying that you think one of the biggest needs is to have people come back and be in the community we're all three of us are involved in education so our our minds go right to teachers but to have those teachers who are models of what it's like to be an example as a Lakota person right or um on the in
2: Wyoming it would be uh Wyoming would be Rapos a Rapaho. Yeah. Very but cool. I I'm Lakota. So. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Either way, a, yeah. a native person. Um so do you, do you want to speak a little to that like what it, what it means to a student specifically to have a Lakota teacher?
0: I'm I I think it's incredibly important for native kids to see older native native people um in that sort of position um or just in successful positions in general Mm. um yeah but especially like being a teacher um teachers have to relate to their kids they have to like speak to their kids and you know just connect to them in different ways and to be native just you already got like your foot in the door if you're native i know whenever i was a teenager um i had a lot of white teachers and i was immediately i immediately like Blocked them off a little bit because I was just like you don't know me you don't know how I grew up you don't know what it's like to be native to live here you know but if I had a native teacher I just I calmed down a lot because I once again I didn't have to explain myself to anybody and I'd spent a lot of my life having to explain myself to people like just who I am and I just think it it helps in general like being proud of your identity because you see someone teaching you and you share that same identity and you just open up a lot more pushes you to be better and to like want to be better for them, for you, like all around. I think it's just, I think it's incredible to have native teachers, more native teachers.
1: I love what you said there, like uh, the model of success. And I think a little bit about like um, movies recently, like we've had like black Panther, crazy rich Asians, you know, it's like for a little uh, African-American kid to, to have, that one superhero who is his same color Mm -hmm. like maybe that that's kind of what i was kind of hearing you say there is in a very in a teacher is a very real life superhero can be Mm -hmm. a good one in that sense i think
0: yeah they natives get to see something that's attainable like they could say like they look at that and they say oh i could be that i can go to college and come back and teach i can i can do whatever i want like whenever you have Like, I I, I don't want this to sound like anti-white, but whenever you have, like, a white teacher, like, talking at you, that's that's Mm -hmm. how it feels. Not talking to me, talking at me about, like, you can do this, you can do this, Mm -hmm. and there's still that wall where I'm like, you don't know me, you don't, like, it's hard. But then if a native person is saying that, like, a native successful person, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, I could, I could do this.
1: Right, not that a, a white teacher couldn't come and be involved in the community and get involved in your life, but to just be saying that without knowing you is definitely, when there's a Native teacher, it's like instant relation there. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I've had yeah.
0: incredible teachers that were white. Like, mm-hmm. my, one of my favorite teachers, he's he was white, and he was my AP English teacher, and he's a huge reason why I, like, got into college yeah. with a full ride, but... Mm-hmm. It's also I just it, I think it's also necessary to have yeah yeah those native role models
1: yes so I think that's for sometimes hard for white people to understand that like the need for diversity isn't like trying to put get rid of white people in power or at school or something it's just it's that's just it, what it is is we need examples of everybody.
2: I feel like it's the need for diversity is the would be the same kind of need to give everyone an equal shot at success you know it's like you were saying earlier when they desegregated the schools and they got rid of all the black teachers there was results that showed students didn't do have as much success with the white teachers as with the black teachers right yeah and I think that just having that that native teacher who's in the classroom with you every day and that you you come to see every day, and there's just that connection, like what Sierra was saying, that it it pushes you to want to be better, but at the the same time, at the end of the day, you guys are both native. You could see him uh, going to a ceremony with you, you know, him or her doing ceremonies with you and getting the same kind of traditions and beliefs with you, and I think that's a huge thing with students, especially natives, growing up on reservations is that if you if you have a teacher who's involved heavily involved with you in school and then at four o'clock or whatever when school's out and you go to a ceremony with your family and friends and your family friends and he's there i think that's a really huge thing for natives because it just shows that they've done it they've went to college become teachers come back and they're still who they are Mm. and that proves that that's someone that they can be yeah. And then, it push it, like what Sierra says, it just pushes them and arises them and they have that connection. But I think that just having that connection and going down to the, just the straight Native with Native tribes. It doesn't have to be same tribes, but, yeah. like, just doing ceremonies and doing Native stuff with each other mm-hmm. is a really big, like, foot in the door, really good stride for teachers and students. And I, I don't think it goes to – I know we're talking about teachers, but I don't think it goes to – just teachers you know you can be that native that go uh goes to college and comes back and runs the successful uh grocery store yeah yeah mm-hmm. and great. they're just show, just showing success and coming back and helping people out i feel like that's a those are great role models being the family being the man who helps run his family and they, he always has food on the table and a roof over his kids heads and these kids are yeah. doing good in school i feel like that's a great role model for other kids to see yeah yeah really cool
1: Sierra, right now you are working in an immersion classroom, right? Mm-hmm. That's the correct term. Yeah. So, uh, talk a little bit about what that means and what that looks like for these kids.
0: Well, I'm the kindergarten uh, Lakota immersion teacher. This is kind of a kind of a new program. My colleague slash boss, he teaches first and second. He has two classes in his since we don't really have enough resources to have multiple fluent teachers right now. Um, Basically what these these kids have been part of our program and they started when they were babies in the daycare Oh wow! and um, so they were in an immersion daycare. And we also have um, fluent speakers, older fluent speakers, they call them unchis, they're grandmas, (laughs) Um, who are there for language and just to take care of them and we also have younger people to like do the you know the hard work of running a daycare. And then whenever they graduate from daycare, they come to us, which is at Red Cloud School. And Red Cloud School is hosting us, but we don't work for Red Cloud. I, gotta make, I always have to make that clear. Sure. <laughs> um, our program is Thunder Valley. Um,
1: which is like a non or something?
0: Yeah, it's a big nonprofit organization that um, has so many initiatives, like they're building homes for people on yeah. the res. They're um, growing organic food and like, Are they, uh, is it owned
1: by native people?
0: Yes. Awesome. Founded and entirely run by native people, which is incredible, and it's really, really successful. It's really blowing up. Mm -hmm. But our initiative is the language part. And so what I do, um, I teach kindergartners. I teach them reading, writing, math, science, art, PE, everything in Lakota, the Lakota language. That means we don't have any, we didn't really have any materials. (laughs) because there's never been a program like this before yeah. on our res. So we're creating everything from scratch um, every single day. I mean, it's been incredible. My boss, Matt Rayma, who's been with us since the beginning, he the one who teaches first and second grade, I think something he said that my mom told me said that it's not mainly about teaching these kids to be fluent in Lakota. It's teaching them how to be Lakota. like. To see from a Lakota person's perspective, like to see through the cultural lens, all while learning the language, because the language is so closely tied to our culture and just who we are, that them learning this language is also them learning just to be proud of their history, their culture, who we are. And these kids, they're, they're like, they're incredible. The boys have grown their hair down their backs, like it's downed their butt now <laughs> like they've never thought to cut it like then they've they all did that on their own these little boys who were five six seven eight and they all just are they proudly speak Lakota like wherever they are we've taken them on field trips and they <laughs> they'll talk to the work like we went to Wind Cave and my kids were trying to talk to our park ranger and they talked <laughs> and they were answering our park ranger in Lakota and she was like I don't know what you're saying and they like looked at her like how do you not know <laughs> they're were, they were, like why do you not know Lakota which I think was so cool because they're so comfortable in who they are
1: so now they're in kindergarten or fifth first grade at that point would they have would they know English as well
0: yes yeah. um all of our kids are fluent in English too sure um they just assume everyone's fluent in both yeah exactly <laughs> like they they think that they can go back and forth between sure, both yeah and everyone just gets it yeah yeah, and our kids, like, we don't teach them anything in English, um, but they are somehow learning how to read in English on their own, mm. which is kind of something, like, we have no idea how it's happening, <laughs> but they all are learning, like... Well,
1: and when they go home, they're kind of in an English world.
0: Yeah, Right. entirely yeah. English world. So... Yeah, so they get the... That young, yeah. They get both, um, which... That's so
1: cool.
0: Yeah, like, some of our like, some of my parents that I've gotten have asked me... Will, will they be able to thrive in an English world if you're never teaching them English And I'm like yeah they get it they, they get Lakota eight hours a day but all the other time they get English so they' they'll be fine.
1: <laughs> Man so this sounds like um, to me uh, I, I think I learned a little bit in high school but maybe more so sort from of my reading on my own. Um, the reservations were just started, and all the children were sent away to boarding school and they were forced not to speak Lakota. Mm-hmm. this this to me just sounds like such a beautiful way to like turn that on its head. Yep. like we are gonna teach you guys Lakota, and we're not gonna punish you for learning English. <laughs> and like you're saying about being Lakota, what does it mean to be Lakota in today's world because it it almost feels like there's kind of been that gap between before colonization until now It's what a cool um, what a cool idea to just to not dwell in the in what mistakes have been made but just to start now okay now we're in 2019 in the USA what does it look like to see the world through Lakota lens
0: I think being Lakota today is understanding understanding what you're up against in society but being proud enough to say like I don't care I am who I am and being knowledgeable in ceremonies like practicing it learning the history of it and teaching others and I think it's ultimately just being proud of who you are being proud of where we've come from because I mean all tribes have been beaten down heavily and Lakota people were beaten down heavily and acknowledging that but saying like we're healing people too and we're taking back was what was what they tried to take from us Mm. which was our ceremonies and our language and our land and everything and
2: the vibe that I kind of get especially with her immersion stuff and the whole in Pine Ridge, there's a whole language revitalization movement going on right now, and it's it's really big, and it's even growing, but the vibe I kind of get from it, and it goes back to my high school, because our, like, high school's, like, mission statement or identity statement, whatever it was that, I don't know if you guys' schools had that, too, but yeah. our thing was um, being the best person we can be while living in two worlds, and I think that's wow. really relevant with Native American and Native peoples, because we live in an English world They're, that's a Fact, you can't get around that. You can't, yeah. you know. We got to go back to who we are as native peoples, as Lakotas, as Arapahos, as uh, Ojibways, whoever whoever you are. You can be successful in both, and you could be the absolute best person you can be in both. Th- with the immersion program that Sierra's uh, teaching in and that's going on and going on in Pine Ridge, it's. Just, I think it's like the perfect way to utilize that of being the best. Person you could be in both worlds of
1: yeah no that's awesome <laughs> and uh so I think the kind of maybe the last real question I have we kind of talked about this too is like what would it look like for for non-native people and maybe in the U.S. the majority of those would be white but to help support this cause um and help you know in a sense um, I think a lot of times when we as uh, white people look at the reservation, we, we either f- um, condemn it and say, how could you live like this or whatever? And I don't think we understand how recently uh, something as tragic as Wounded Knee has happened. You know, it, I think when we learn about it, as, or at least for me as a kid, that feels like thousands of years ago, mm-hmm. when really it was like, what, several generations? If yeah, that. yep. Um, so we're, we, I think sometimes we're very ignorant of that and, and are very quick to condemn, um, or we go too far the other way and we, we like pity, and think that we need to save native people. Mm-hmm. I, I think I, I think um, when I was a kid, I would go to church and we'd have all these missionaries going out to like Africa, and I would just think like, man, why aren't we? helping the people who are in our own state you know the the people suffering on the reservation and and in my uh i think a little bit of that was ignorant because it was well intended but like you guys were saying at the beginning beginning it's it's still their home it's not like a a need uh, someone to come in and save you from this point so maybe what would be the best way to say a uh, non-native person wants to move to the reservation to be helped there um, or maybe they just want to create a space where they can flourish what do you think would be some ways that that could be done and if, if you don't have like a immediate answer that's fine because that's kind of a big question
0: but i i mean i have some ideas in mind Go ahead. okay um i think the f- like what a huge thing to recognize is that like how you said a lot of this didn't happen like that or like a lot of this happened not that long ago Mm -hmm. it's very recent my grandpa grew up in boarding school he ran he escaped on a train oh my gosh (laughs) that it's that recent you know you know he lost his language he lost his home Uh,
1: yeah i assume he didn't escape because he loved it (laughs) right Yeah. yeah
0: he was i think he was 15 um, when he finally escaped and he by then he lost his my whole language um, and everything so i think re- reali- like educating yourself on how recent it was mm. and also educating yourself that these reservations weren't our doing um, right they were the government's doing and mm. they forced this on us they forced this suffering on us they 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 put us in poverty and then um, just kind of left us alone and was like well fend for yourselves deal with it and that's what we're trying to do right now is deal with it and heal from it so i think as a non-native you have to recognize that we're just trying to heal ourselves from stuff that Mm. wasn't our fault yeah um and i
1: i think i know a lot of uh people who are a lot of non-natives who would be be very quick to say well there was fault on both sides you know but I'm sure <laughs> not really yeah I, I'm sure that uh I don't know how much you've heard that but
0: I've heard it yeah
1: but um like for instance when you talk about the reservations like for people who doesn't isn't really like an farming society to put them on the middle of Wyoming is yeah, exactly would, farmland. You know, it's... Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, they put it... They basically, like, what the government did was put us on the worst pieces of land. Mm-hmm. Um, smallest pieces of land, like, where, yeah. where, we, where we couldn't thrive.
2: Pieces of land where we couldn't... That was not sus- very sustainable for growing crops because, you know, the government wanted to take that land for themselves. Yeah, yeah. They gave us on t- terrible land. They would give... Uh, back when they first started, they would give them rations, but as much as very little as they could yeah just so they could survive very, and
1: very little like teaching how
2: to yeah. fish yeah, yeah. Exactly. instead of yeah and yeah. like you were saying too that's that wasn't our culture our culture is constantly moving and mm-hmm. nomadic and then they set like squared us into a terrible yeah. piece of land you guys have to stay here you guys have to make it work but mm-hmm. we're not going to help you make it work and so just the whole shock of you can't live the way you guys have lived forever. You can't eat the same food you guys have lived forever. Your right. your main food source we almost hunted to extinction in the being in the buffalo and just right. all all the shock of that it, it turned the reservation into a uglier place than it was initially before we even got there. Mm-hmm. And I think that just it was really setting setting us up for failure. Right. And when we failed, it was oh look at the look at the poor Indian who can't even live on his own without, uh, help from the government. And that was, it was total shock and systemic of what they were doing.
1: Right. So realizing that whether there was fault on both sides or not, there's certainly a lot on the side of the government. And, um, like you were saying, it, it it was grandpa's. It was recent.
0: Very recent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so first, yeah, just first educating yourself before you throw yourself into this because you just got to be prepared. You got to know what you're getting into and also knowing that it was like, if you are are white, that it was your ancestors that did this. And there might be some hostility at first, but also just being very open to learning. People in the res will teach you, like just being open to anything that they're willing to give you. Take it in, um, be very open-minded, and also, we don't want to be saved. We're doing mm. that ourselves. So, be very clear about that, that you're not here to save us, you're here to be an ally mm. in any way. and That's awesome. Yeah, and to, like, just uh, be open to their suggestions of what they want from you, yeah. instead of imposing what you think that we need.
1: But a person who comes in with that attitude, regardless of their race, you're... Like very well
0: too. Yes. Yeah.
2: And I feel like one of the things is like like if you say a white person, non-native person coming in, I this is just my opinion. You know, other people might have different ones. But like I'm personally not gonna prosecute you as an individual over what happened sure. long ago. But like at, that's that's not where tension I guess would be. But the tension would be you know what, how do you act when you know mm-hmm. other minorities in public or whatever being marginalized or you know how what's your reactions to that and how do you react to our situation and and if it goes back to like your savior or your savior mentality or the the condemning or if it's just like this is messed up and like i want to help tell me how i can help because i've i've seen all three of those i feel like if you for the best possible relationship relationship in my opinion you know i would you know how like what sierra was saying be an ally how can i help you know tell me what i can do i don't want to do it for you guys tell me how i can help because ultimately in my opinion the solution on reservations and the solution of native peoples it's not going to be helped it's not going to be solved from outside people coming in it's got to be mm. solved from inside people the, the natives got to solve it themselves mm. and that's my personal opinion but if you want to know how to get the best possible relationship between non-native and a native you should ask my dad because he got my mom yeah (laughs) (laughs) they made it work for over 20 years so oh i just have
1: one other question do you have a favorite because you're fluent in lakota now right yeah and keegan you're learning
2: i'm going to learn
1: yes (laughs) how how long did it take you to get fluent
0: Like a year. Um, Of,
1: like, how how much practice per day?
0: A lot. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that's kind of like when people are like, you you got fluent in a year. It's like, well, I taught in it for eight hours a day. Wow. Took um, a one-hour Lakota class five days a week. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, I did my own studying of flashcards and grammar book and these different level language books that I did on my own every day.
1: If you're okay with this, could you just say, like, welcome to class in Lakota? Like, what would that sound like in the morning? Um, what would you say? Maybe that's not even what you would say in the morning. I don't know.
0: Yeah, not really what you would say. Like, I um ya hippie means it's good that you're all here. Cool. Um, that's, like, the closest way to saying welcome.
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, so, in all your studies, do you have, like, a new favorite Lakota word or something that you're like, man, there just isn't words for that in English or something like that? Um,
0: yeah. Nice. Um, generosity in Lakota is wowa chantognake,
2: mm.
0: which means giving your heart to oh, somebody. Man. Which yeah, exactly, and it's that's a, how a lot of Lakota words are. Um, they that's so beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's like an act of doing something um, in Lakota. Like the words are so specific. There's so many words that English doesn't like. It just doesn't do it justice. Like mm. for example, generosity. Yeah. Like
1: comparatively yeah
0: yeah exactly um
1: yeah (laughs) okay so i think i'm gonna call this the look again podcast is there like a lakota translation for look again or like what would be the closest thing
0: um the closest like the closest literal thing like how i said there's a lot of Mm -hmm. different ways you could um okay that literally means look again
1: is that what you would say in Lakota, or probably not?
0: Um, if you're being, if you're meaning literally, yeah. Sure. There's there's different words of being like look and realize again. There's a word for that.
1: What would that
0: be? Ake a would like, yeah. <laughs> <Sweet>. <laughs> I could go on forever about yeah. how you could interpret that, but awesome. Yeah.
1: Well, thanks, guys. This has been awesome. Like I had a really great conversation. So, yeah, yeah really, so
2: did we yeah.
0: good
1: really luck cool. teaching at Pine Ridge and thank Red you. Cloud right? yeah yep. Red Cloud what is the mascot?
0: Um, it's a crusader crusader mm-hmm.
1: go crusaders yeah go crusaders <laughs> <laughs> alright wow thank you so much to Keegan and Sierra, for joining me again, for just sharing your hearts and your passion there. That was so awesome for me to hear, and I hope it was for you guys, too. So I asked Keegan and Sierra what uh, resources they would recommend if people wanted to learn more about native culture. Sierra recommended the book, Custer Died for Our Sins. Uh, Sounds quite interesting, just by the title. Keegan recommended the book, Black Elk Speaks, and Sierra also recommended a book her grandfather wrote called Ojibwe Warrior. I will hopefully have links to those in the description here if you guys want to learn more. Yes, I hope we can all have that same passion to see our own communities as well as those around us, whether they be native cultures or other ethnicities or other people groups, that we just have a passion for seeing them restored. I think that's at the very heart of God and at the very, and should hopefully be at the very heart of us. All right, here we go. Thanks to... Eric Domkowski for lending me all his stuff, and for making the intro song today's episode. How'd you guys like the new uh, intro? Thanks to Mikhail Kraft for making all the other music, Adele Javorski on my graphics, and for Hannah doing the sweet intros. Today's listener of the week is Walter Bortwight. Walter was homeschooled, and it's kind of funny, his mom would always say,
0: Like, we don't teach them anything in English, um, but they are somehow learning how to read in English on their own.
1: Hey, thanks again for listening. And feel free to leave a review on iTunes. There's a couple up there already. Thank you so much to anyone who's done that. Feel free to give me any feedback. Uh, Give those five stars. Share this with your friends. Or keep it to yourself and enjoy it all on your own. And, of course, for all you haters out there, feel free to delete it i've got one more episode coming for you kind of a bonus episode uh dealing with this topic of race and this one's for the white folks one more episode taking another look at race ethnicity and culture and after that we'll kind of take a turn also i'm going back to school so might not be quite as productive in the podcast area we'll see
0: It's the Look Again podcast, y'all.